Hello, and welcome to Full Court Press. I'm Charles. And I'm Elliot. And guys, uh, welcome back to the pod. After a whole year, we missed you guys. Um, you know, happy holidays and yada yada. But the whole point is we're back. And 2024 is going to be our year. Right, Charles? I mean, we already had some surprises lined up, so that's all 100%. I can hope. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a great year. Um, let's start off with some uh, bummer news. Uh, the Warriors dynasty is getting nearer and nearer to the end. And with the injury of CP3, um, I don't know how this team is going to recover at all. Uh, what, what were your first thoughts on the injury, Charles? Well, I was watching the game because, I mean, they're obviously playing the Pistons. So, you know, I'm watching and I saw CP3 went out and I got a notification that he was out for the remainder of the game. But I didn't know it was that serious or severe. So first, you know, prayers up to Chris Paul. He's a legend and uh, hope all is well soon. Good luck on the surgery. But uh, it's a tough blow. But Like, especially for a team that hasn't been good necessarily with him, I'm I'm not sure how they go without him. And to me, the Warriors just are crumbling before us. You know, Kamingo wants more minutes. Moody wants more minutes. Chris Paul, who they wanted to trade, is now hurt. He still can be traded, guys. This is not 2K where if you're injured, you can't be traded. It's just whoever trades for him needs to waive his physical. And so he still can be traded. That's not an issue. It's just about who wants to trade for him now. So the injury blows, especially for a team that had high hopes coming into the season and high expectations. And they've just fallen as short as they possibly could with set expectations. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a learning curve and... I think if there's one thing to gain out of this for the Warriors is maybe it's showing that now is the time that you can finally actually restart. And I'm not saying you trade Curry, but at this point, I'm not sure what you gain with him, especially with guys like Clay, who are just as unreliable and inconsistent as it gets. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you said. I mean, Chris Paul was their make or break. If he was going to succeed, especially coming off the bench, helping the younger guys kind of get into some roles and just be a real floor general, they were going to succeed, regardless of Draymond Green, which we'll get to in a minute, uh, Clay, and even Steph, who's been kind of carrying. Yes, they've had good players come into the rotation, but they're 10th. in the West right now. And with Chris Paul out, and like you said, there were some quarrels on the bench with Wiggins coming off the bench for the first time in his career, or Kaminga, who's starting to not trust Kerr or anybody, really. It's, it's, it's really hard to look at these guys and say, yeah, they're still in the mix. Um, it's hard to go against Curry, especially with all he's done Uh, playoff wise with his success there but it's just it's it's the end of the road here um with Draymond Green's back uh I don't know if that changes this team's dynamic at all except maybe uh uh 
the Pacers with uh, their boy can finally put an end to him. But I, I don't see this team coming back at all um, in this season. Uh, does Draymond help him at all? As as much as people love to hate on Draymond, and I definitely understand the reasons being why, he is he's one million percent gonna help them. There's arguably not many defenders better than him. I I think there is, but to many, you know, he can guard the perimeter and the post. You know, not even to mention that he can, you know, facilitate kind of give Steph even more of an off-ball opportunity. And with Chris Paul being out, I think Jermon's going to have to step into that role probably a little bit more seriously as a point guard slash power forward. But I, I'm i not sure. I, I don't see this team getting there. And maybe, maybe it is because they're older and – we put too high of expectations on them. But even after last year, I, I haven't trusted this team in a very long time. Probably about, or yeah, probably the last two seasons, I haven't trusted them to do all too great because you have to understand that there are, in this league, You there's two things you have to do in order to win, in order to be successful. And it's, well, I mean, for starters, just score more points than the other team and you win. But you have to be consistent. And I don't think there's ever been an inconsistent NBA champion in recent memory that I can think of. Maybe the 22 Warriors, but the, their defense was great. And Steph, they had Steph Curry, who kind of blossomed. And but Wiggins to be, played good. Yeah, Wiggins was good before it was his pre-mental health issue. Um, Draymond was playing good. Clay was actually consistent. But you're now to a point where you don't have a future, especially because all the guys who were supposed to be included in your future, either you traded or don't trust you anymore. And mm -hmm. you're under 500. You're a, not a very good home team. You're middle of the pack at home, 11 and 9. On the road, you're below 500. You know, in division, you're below 500. In conference, you're below 500. You're barely scoring more points than the other team each night. Only sometimes. Like, this is a team that's high in scoring. Or, I'm sorry. This is a team that's high in allowing other teams to score and high in scoring themselves. They they just don't have any seam of consistency when you look at their recent games of just actually holding teams low for a consistent amount of games. Every single one of their games is high scoring. And whether it's being them or who are getting scored on or them who are scoring, they just have no consistency of good defense. And that's not going to win. And with Chris Paul going out and the lack of consistency in this team, I, I'm i not sure this team even makes the play in. Yeah, uh, there are a bunch of teams in the mix right now, uh, especially since the Lakers are 11th 
the Grizzlies are 12th and uh, I mean, or they're 13th, I'm sorry. And I mean, the Spurs, they're finally learning how to pass to Wemby. All three of those teams, I actually genuinely could see them sneaking up on the Warriors at some point in the season. Uh, but you kind of stand. If anyone snuck in, uh, it's probably the Spurs. There, five and twenty-nine. I hundred percent. No, they could come back. This is uh, they're gonna they're gonna end up with twenty-nine losses in the in the rest of the season. Um, let's right. stay in the conference. Right. Let's stay in the conference. It's it's gonna be uh, a good conversation to have. There are three teams that are over sixty-six percent. Uh, and I mean, they're all when they all play, they put on shows. Uh, let's start with the uh, number one seed, which is the Wolves. Uh, Anthony Edwards, man. I mean, you can't really go against him. And Gobert's been looking like a depoy again. Cat has been pretty consistent. And then, of course, they have uh, NBA legend Nas Reed. So, what what are your biggest takeaways from that team? Well, it all starts off on the defensive side of the ball. Decent defensive, well, the defensive side of things in which mm-hmm. they are holding teams to the least amount of points a game at 107. To think about that in modern NBA terms, that is a complete 20 point difference than the worst team in the league. And I, I get it. The, the Washington Wizards have no defense at all. But that is such a high number, and it's not even as if they're scoring many points either. They are a bottom 10 team in scoring points, but just as they have, and I'm going to mention the Rockets here too because those teams have been probably top three defensive teams this season and bottom 10 offensive teams, but they are still in the playoff mix. And the Timberwolves have found themselves an identity on the defensive side of things through Gobert, through Conley, through Jalen, yeah, through Jaden McDaniels, who is heavily underrated on the defensive side of the ball. He is one of the best in the league. Um, Even Shake Milton or Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Nas Reed, Cat has had probably one of his best defensive seasons. You know, Mike Conley. It's just a perfect mix of hustle and skill on the defensive side that puts them over the top and this is a team that has also been a great team at home you know they are 14 and 2 at home second best in the league behind only the Celtics who are 17 and 0 at home you know i will say minnesota does struggle a little more on the road but mostly every nba team does this season is a year where kind of everyone's struggling on the road. But when you look at it, they have the best record in conference in the West, not only standings-wise, but against other teams in the West. And most of their losses have actually come, if you put into perspective the amount of games played, they have four losses against the East in... 11 Five games. losses against the West. Yeah. yeah, and that's in basically more than half of the games, you know, divided between the two. So 
I'm not sure this team can go all the way, but this is a team that defensively can stop anyone in the league or close to it. Yeah, and the Thunder, which are the number two seed, are, are right behind them. I mean, you're right. The uh, The whole point of winning games is to score more points than the others, and they're doing just that. They have uh, the best plus-minus uh, difference in the top ten teams in the West. Um, their defense is, I mean, it's fourth worst if you want to – if you if you count – points against them uh but wait who the thunder they have they they allow 114 points a game uh from the opposing squad no that's about middle of the pack that's about middle well as far as as far as the top teams it's fourth worst i would say Um... right like because because the only teams that that have more points scored against them are the clipper or the the king's the Mavericks and huh, the Golden State Warriors, um, but you Wait. can you can count on maybe four or five different players on that team to go out and go and score twenty a night. Wait, you know? where are you? Because I'm looking at the same thing right now. I just I don't I don't see the oppo uh the opposing points per game. Yeah, they're middle of the pack. Right, but as I'm saying, as far as the top ten teams, like the the teams vying for a uh, um playoff spots in the West. Yes, in the West. I mean, yeah, yeah. So, like, but they have the best. They have the best differential, which is plus seven points per game. Seven and a half, actually. It's. I mean, it's. It's important to note that they're still very young, you know. But between Shea, Chet, and Lou Dort, even Giddy, I mean, those guys can all score twenty uh-huh. points whenever they want. Well, not Giddy, uh, but Jalen Williams for sure. I I, I wouldn't mention Dort either. Dort, don't get me wrong. I love Lou Dort. He's a great player, but uh. OKC fans have done a lot to that reputation to make him seem a lot better than what he is. I, I think I think True. he's a great player, but he is not he's not as good as OKC fans led me to believe. But he is still a great. He definitely player. helps the team though. He helps a lot as far as, you know, like even just the vibe. I mean, if you want to say who's like the OKC guy, I I say I would imagine people say Lou Dort is the backbone of that that uh that identity, you know. The same way you could say like Draymond is the backbone of the Warriors identity. But I mean as far as as far as the Thunder go, I would say like the, the biggest question I would have is are they are they going to be consistent? Because of course they're still young. You know, I mean, Shea is, what, a top three, top four player in the league right right now? But he's still very young, and he doesn't have too many veterans to support on, you know? Um, But that's just, I mean, that's just what I see right now as far as how good they are. But they've been, I mean, they're only two games back as far as the number one seed, so they have a lot to live up to. Um, yeah, I, let's move on to. Oh, go ahead. 
if I were OKC, I, I'm not changing anything. I'm leaving this No. team as is, going into the playoffs, seeing what they can do. Because who knows? You can sneak a round or two in. You can make it all the way to the conference finals with a young team. And you have so many picks you can trade for. You could trade for anyone in the NBA if you really wanted to. And to me, that's that's exactly where it's all going to come to down to. You know, next, this offseason, how is... What moves are OKC going to make? And who is it going to be for? OKC has the opportunity to trade for, again, anyone in the NBA. It could be, they could trade for, they, they could go out and trade for Jokic. They have the, they have what's necessary. It's all about, you know, who they, who they need to add, if they need to add anyone, because you have your point guard for the future. You have, your center for the future. You have your power forward for the future. You know, I think there's room to work with, but this is a team that I'm not sure what needs to be added in order to get any better because they are already kind of good enough, I guess. Right, exactly. Um, they were by no means on anybody's radar to win anything. And they have, I mean, the cool thing about them is they could end up imploding tomorrow and everybody's not going to bat an eye because they're just like, they're just a young team, you know? Like you said, they have a point guard or shooting guard, whatever you want to call uh, SGA for the future. They have uh, Chet, who's their center for the future. They have Jalen Williams. I mean, they've got a good young core. And they're only going to get better, you know, um, especially with Chet only being a rookie. So you look at all this and you say, this is the best you could have hoped for uh, when you started the rebuild uh, not that long ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're definitely, they're, they're a contender right now. It's crazy to say. Uh, let's move to the East for just a little bit. Uh, the top two or three teams They all have MVP candidate level players. Uh, that's, I mean, that's kind of crazy to think about as far as, you know, how, how the East has been kind of top heavy. Uh, do you have a favorite coming out of the East and going to the finals? I think it's hard to bet against the Celtics. I'll say that. They they haven't lost at home. And that's what it's all going to come down to. They are going to be good enough in the playoffs to have a home court advantage. And I think they're probably going to finish one or two, which is going to get them home court advantage for probably near every playoff series. And when you don't lose at home, it's, it's going to be very, very tough. Especially when you look at their conference record, this team does not lose games. This team does not lose games in the East, and they have a top three, top probably five defense in the NBA, top five offense in the NBA. The, I, I'm not sure anyone is going to be good enough to beat them in a seven-game series. I, I'm, I think it's just hard to bet against them, and that's all... That's just going to be what it comes down to. It's just how can you bet against this team with how good they bet? And I think there's other teams such as, you know, you could probably throw in Milwaukee in there, but I'm not sure how consistent they'll stay, especially come postseason. 
you know, and then the Knicks are a sneaky team, especially now with uh, OG. But again, I'm not sure how they fare in the playoffs. I'm not sure where, you know, I think there's two real contenders and it comes down to Miami or I'm sorry, Boston and Philadelphia. Uh, you might as well put Miami in the mix just so that you don't uh they don't prove you wrong. Nah, I'm, they're they're not making it. Not this year. Not this year. You know, it's it's hard to bet against the Celtics. And with the way Embiid has played this year, it's hard for to bet against him not only as the best player in the league, but especially with how him and Maxi have played this year, it's gonna be hard to bet against them come playoff time. Cause there's no other team, especially when Philly's going to have a higher seed. I'm not sure they're going to play anyone at a low seed who's going to be able to have a guy to stop and beat. Because, quite frankly, nobody has. He's having one of the greatest offensive seasons we have seen in the modern era, if not the greatest. And I'm not just saying that because, oh, he's averaging a lot of points. He is dominating both ends of the court. You know, he is rebounding the ball at a very, very high level. And he's doing all of that on six assists. You know, I think the main issue last year and the year before was Harden. You know, Harden would take away touches from Embiid. But this year, Embiid can get get the post. And he's a good enough passer to find, you know, a maxi. Or Kelly Oubre has played quite amazing for that team. Tobias Harris having a great year. D'Anthony Melton having a great year. You know, and kind of the backbone of the team, the identity is the offensive dominance that they put out. And to me, when you look at the Sixers, they're a good home and road team. And they score, they score a good amount of points and they don't allow a lot of points. So it's hard for... You know, especially with the games they lost to was with that three, four-game stretch when Embiid was out with the ankle injury. So, you know, it's going to be hard. It's just, those are, I think there's three teams that have any substantial chance to make it. But I think that there's two teams that stand high and above, and it's Boston and Philly. I think Milwaukee's great, but unless they make a move, that bench is not going to be good enough come playoff time. And I, I get you shorten rotations up, but I'm not sure how short you can go because it's not like your starting lineup blossoms either. You know, it's just inconsistency. That That's the main thing. Milwaukee is a great home team, but I'm not sure where they, where they fall, you know, come playoff time. But I'm, I'm going to keep it. I think it's Boston with the big advantage. Then you go Philly, Milwaukee. I, I'm I don't see anyone else in that conference. Do you? I mean, I actually completely agree. Um, and I would even cut it just uh, to just the Boston. Uh, when you look at the teams specifically in the East, um, every team has a weakness. For Milwaukee, it's their bench. They're kind of they're kind of shallow. They have Giannis and Middleton and Brooke, but they're they're, they're shallow. Um, when you look at the Sixers, especially come 
playoff time, Embiid usually collapses. And if he doesn't this year, he's definitely not going to get as many calls in the postseason as he does in the regular season. They just don't call things as much. Um, so we'll really see if Embiid can pull through. For New York, they're small. They haven't lost a game yet with OG, but they're small. Uh, Miami, obviously, I, I don't, I don't want to talk about them. Orlando, eh, I mean, they're still young. They don't really have very many bigs. Paulo's been great, but uh, Paulo can't carry a whole team on his back, especially in the postseason. Boston's really the only one because you take out Tatum, you still have still have Derek White, you still have uh, Drew Holiday. I mean, come on. Um, but you take out one of those starters and you still have a championship-level team. It's just – it's really hard not to bet against them. And they have – the best uh, plus minus in any game, especially after beating the Pacers by like, what, 17 tonight? Uh, it's just, I mean, it's they're going to steamroll teams. I, I could see them, I mean, being like the 2000 or the, the 01 Lakers, honestly. They're just so good. Um, but as far as the playoffs go, I mean, we'll have to see because you're right. The Sixers, especially with Embiid being basically Wilt Chamberlain this year, and Maxi just – Maxi's insane. Kelly Oubre has been really good. Um, they don't have Harden this year. And as as much as we all uh, don't like Harden on full-court press, he – I mean, he averaged the most assists last year. He was doing great. He was a good point guard. Um, it just – it comes down to Embiid. It really does. And if Embiid can finally break the mold of the Sixers versus Celtics uh, postseason runs, great. But with the Celtics throwing everything and more at any team they want, uh, that's just it, it. Just doesn't look like it's going to work out. I definitely have Boston over everybody. Um, are there any specific games or specific moments from the last few weeks that you want to talk about? I mean, sure. It happened uh, just just the other day, actually. Let's let's go back and kind of re-witness. I don't want to say history because that's too broad of a term, too large of a term to just throw out. But let's re-witness. You know. What's the word? I'm trying to not say history, but it's going to be... That's the word I want to say. So, yeah, let's rewitness history, I guess. You know, Wemby versus Giannis, right? This is mm-hmm. probably the most hyped-up game since... I mean, who who knows? This was a game that was a whole season basically... Spurs and Bucks fans were looking forward to this game all year, and it didn't disappoint. Now, while Wemby had a great game, you know, 27 9, 5, I believe, 5 blocks. Yeah, 5. It also went to, you know, there were, and he, he did it on good efficiency too, right? He, he did it on good efficiency, but. 
he he's shooting better from the field. But if I have anything to say against him, it's just that three point the three point consistency is not there. And yeah, I agree. It's too he shoots it and it's not like he can't shoot. It's just he kind of throws the ball and hopes to make it, right? And oh, yeah. it's just, you know, he he played an excellent game, but he found himself in foul trouble in a game that he's also on minute restriction. So, you know, he kind of, just the little things, you know, five turnovers. Just there were little things in the game that kind of halted, you know, his team's momentum. Whereas on the other side, Milwaukee was just steamrolling through Giannis, who had 44, 14, 7 assists. And while the stats may not show, he was just dominating the defensive end. You know, this is just, this is what it's going to come, this is the difference between, you know, and this is why, as good as Wemby's been, I don't think he's in the, he should be in the All-Star race, because I can just, there's too many things I can name that he struggles with, and there's too many good players that I can name that are not only better at that, but have just had a better season. And it's tough because he doesn't have a lot of help around him, right? But it's the same reason Cade Cunningham isn't an all-star because for starters, your team sucks. Your teams are literally on pace to break the, to have the worst two seasons. Or the Spurs, Wizards, and Pistons are all on pace to have the worst season in NBA history in terms yeah, of history bad. before. Three teams. Yeah. Not just one, three. And so, and not to mention all three teams have a great player. Kuzma, Wemby, Cade, right? <laughs> Didn't just, say Jordan Poole. That's great. Well, he isn't. He hasn't been. It's just, there's too many. The losses pile up too quickly. And yeah. the Spurs... I'll, I'll give it to the Spurs and Pistons, not the Wizards, because they just get blown out and they lose. Spurs and Pistons can actually keep it close. It's yeah. just they can't finish. And when you can't finish in the league, and it's not that team, they don't have finishers. You have, you know, Wemby, who's a good finisher. Cade, who this season has been one of the best fourth quarter players in the NBA. So is Wemby, you know. It's just you have no one around you to help you. And that's all what it piles up to. And I'm not trying to take away from the game, but as that game got close, it's just with Wemby not taking that last shot, you just know that it's gonna lose. You know. Yeah. Trey Jones when Trey Jones shoots that last shot, you know that you're not your team's not good. No offense to Trey Jones. He's actually been a very good player for them this year. It's just, gosh, I just, I've never seen anything out of him in his years in the NBA to even show he's good enough to take a last shot, let alone take the last shot over a guy like Wemby, who's been a good fourth quarter player for you all year. So yeah, it's just the veteran experience for Milwaukee kind of put them over the top. It was a great battle, but Giannis took the first one, and he probably will take the, you know, he'll he'll take the advantages because he is an MVP-level player. 
and Wemby is a rookie. But, you know, I have to give props. It was, a, it was an excellent game. It was a fun game. But at the end of the day, you're not you're not beating Milwaukee in the clutch. Especially with yeah. you know, Dame time. I'm not, I know he I know he wasn't the guy that did it, but still. You have Dame. Yeah, Dame time got blocked. That's yeah. the thing, is that Wemby Wemby was so clutch in the last like two minutes, blocking Dame and then obviously blocking Giannis for that iconic picture. Um but I mean, what it comes down to is you're right. The the Spurs, they don't have many closers. Uh, Wemby's been, as far as I've seen, especially against the Lakers, the Suns, the Bucks, basically all the top teams, he's shown that he can he can be very, very clutch with his threes and with his uh, defense. But the issue has always been, I mean, Trey Jones and Sohan are out in the last two minutes and they're going to take a three. Uh, it's just a guarantee at this point. It's unfortunate. Um, and it was unfortunate that Wemby couldn't take that last shot. He was just face guarded. Uh, but I definitely enjoyed that game. Obviously, on Wemby's birthday, he had to have at least a couple of highlights. I would say that he kind of showed the league how uh, how versatile he could be. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you want to call that game iconic – I was hearing non-Spurs and non-Bucks fans say this is the game of the year. It was just so cool to watch. Um, but you're right. Wemby's shooting, especially with the threes, I mean, he missed his first three threes, which were his first three shots of the game. That was weird. Um, but to be fair, you know Sohan's not going to hit those threes. You know Trey Jones isn't going to hit those threes. So, you know, let it fly. Let it fly. Um, but the kind of sneaky, not not sneaky, but – Vassell had a quiet 34, you know. Uh, granted, he had 35 minutes, um, and Wimpy only had 26 and got 27 points. But it's Wimpy and Vassell had great games. And Giannis, obviously, I mean, generated more points than minutes played, uh, which is just, it's just insane. It's insane to me how good Giannis and, and Dame is, but... I think the Spurs, they're finally learning slowly but surely that if they pass Wemby the ball, he's going to make cool plays. And whether that's going to be the uh, the memo for next season or if they can finally pick it up this season, um, it'll be it'll be a fun watch. And I think that the Spurs and the Pistons alike uh, can be really cool during the clutch. Uh, whether they win games or lose games, they're there. Um I think that's all that matters for young teams. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I will say about the Spurs and Pistons is people just bash on the Pistons for that losing streak. But to me, I don't care about a losing streak. I care about the losses and... There's two teams that have five and six wins, respectively. The Pistons have three. But the only people pit that are talked about are the Pistons, you know. I just think they don't deserve necessarily all the hate that they're getting, especially when there's other teams that are also going to be historically bad. You know? Yeah. It's just not not that it's not fair. It's just unwarranted on, you know, it's just 
you're talking about one team, but you're not going to talk about another. You know, all three of those teams have one thing in common. Well, at least the Pistons and Spurs. Wizards never have a close game. The Pistons and Spurs, you know it'll be close, but when it's close, you know that they're not going to win. And right. that's, that's except, the main... Except the, except the Suns wins. The Suns wins the Spurs had when Wemby took two off of a KD. That was kind of cool. But other than those two wins, I mean, the Spurs have had three wins total. <laughs> like, what? Yes. Uh, I will say... I will say, yes, I think the Pistons and the Spurs both do kind of deserve all the hate they're getting uh, for being historically bad, but they're also historically young, you know? I mean, both teams are being led by a three-year player and a rookie. A rookie is leading his team because he's the best player, and they're all super young. I think if... If you're going to hate on the Spurs or the Pistons, even as fans of the Spurs or the Pistons, at least take it with a grain of salt because of how young they are. Sohan, I think in two or three years, is going to blossom. He's just really young and is not a point guard, but he was playing like a point guard. Asur is a terrible shooter. In two or three years, even next year, he's going to blossom. He just needs to learn. He needs to get some playing time. He needs to get some minutes, you know? Uh, Duran, uh, he's been great. He's just he's he's been Dern. hurt, and I think that that's the yeah. big thing. He, he's been hurt, but yeah, I mean, um, he's also just as young I, as all those other guys. I think you know? to me, it's just if you're a number one pick, you should be expected to lead your team because you're drafted to right. a terrible situation. There's a reason right. your team was worst, but uh, that's all I have. So, I mean, you know. Good episode. Yeah, it was good. Uh, we definitely have some more uh, pods lined up for the next few days and weeks and all that. So stay tuned for that. I think it'll be a, a great year for us. Yeah, yeah. Good, good getting back.